0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew chapter 6. obviously a very familiar passage. Um, I'd been in a series um, since our pastor had been gone. I preached four Wednesday nights on prayer. And this is um, one of the sermons that I preached. And this one's entitled, Prayer is Submission. And I love the way you introduced the service. I just, what he said is so very true. You have to come with your mind focused on the Lord. That's we do serve an audience of one. I know you've heard that many times, but it's true. Uh, we're not here to impress you. And if you're here to impress somebody else, you're, you're, missing, you're missing the blessing of a service. Uh, we wanna give honor and glory to the Lord. And so when you pray, this is critical to understand that prayer is submission. And I'll try to explain that as we work our way through the, the message here this morning. Uh, start in verse 9, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read um, 9 to 13. Brother, do you have them stand? Let's go ahead and stand if you will. We're going to read 9 to 13. You know what? Such a familiar passage, isn't it? You want to read this out loud with me? Verses 9 to 13, beginning of verse 9. The Bible says, After this manner, therefore pray ye. Thank you, Lord. I just pray that you'll bless your own word. I thank you for the good pattern of prayer that you've given to us. I pray that you'll help us to live out the meaning of it. Now we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Everybody understands, I I guess, maybe you preached through this in your prayer, possibly, and I'm sure you've heard it many times by now that um, we call it the Lord's Prayer is really the Lord's pattern for prayer and gives you an idea of kind of how to headline the things we ought to be praying for when we go to the Lord in prayer. And, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm going to bring us down to one certain little phrase here in just a moment, but I'm reminded, I, I, uh, I love, um, I, I know I've told our folks this, but I love, um, animal shows. I, I love Africa animals. I love to see all the different things that they do. And I remember how that, um, uh, you know, you have a one lion, he is the, uh, he's the king, okay, the lion king. And so every now and then one of his younger cubs have grown up now and they, they want to try to take the throne from dad. And it is the battle of a lifetime. And uh, the little guy, typically when he gives up, when he realizes I should have never started this in the first place, many times what that lion will do is just roll over on his back put his paws up and act like he's trying to play a little bit. Dad gives him one more swat and then walks on away after the other lion finally learns how to submit to um, the real king. And then let me tell you this. After he does that, all the food that's brought into the lion's, what is it called, a lair, um, then the little guy that challenged but now finally came back into submission is now able to be a part of the pack again. He's not looked down at from dad anymore. He gets part of the food and part of everything else in the family because he was willing to submit. And we'll kind of bring that in here in just a little bit. So um, let me bring us down to what I want to describe as, I'm going to look specifically in verses 10 and 13, but, but let me just give you this. Let's make a territorial declaration And understand that's what I believe God is really trying to get us to understand here. And what do you mean by territorial declaration? Let's look in uh, verse 10 again. Notice, just take the first phrase, thy kingdom come. Now drop down to verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom. All right? thy kingdom come. That's a prayer. I'm supposed to pray. That's the idea behind my prayer. All right. Notice the word kingdom, if you will. The words kingdom and the word principality, they're Bible words. You hear them a lot. Um, The word principality really is a word that means it's the territory. It's the jurisdiction of a prince. Hence, principality. And you take the word kingdom, uh, comes from a couple of, I believe there were Latin words. The first one is obvious, king. And the second one makes sense when you take the last part of the word, king dumb uh, kingdom or short for dominion. And so uh, a kingdom, understand this, it's a king's dominion. It's what belongs to him. Okay, so we can understand that. So please understand uh, a king's kingdom is this from one boundary of the king's kingdom and all the way over to this other side of the boundary and everything in between those boundaries belongs to the king. He has a lot of people under him stewarding his uh, properties and the things that belongs to him but all in all, that kingdom is the dominion of that king. It's important that we kind of understand this as we work our way through here. So, um, Some may say, you know, here's what some people like to say that, you know, when Jesus says you know, to pray for thy kingdom to come, they believe it's the Jews saying, "Uh, Jesus, please come and set up your, you know, messianic kingdom. And I I would guess you've addressed this from time to time, but we want you to come and be the king right now and and shove these Romans out of the way and take their thumb off the top of us. We want to be under you and you alone and set up this messianic kingdom. But that's simply not the case because the kingdom that's being talked about in this passage is a kingdom that God wants to be set up right now, right. immediately. For example, example in Matthew 4, 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for what? Kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is what? It's at hand. It's, it's right here. Luke eleven twenty, 20, but if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you right now. Whatever kingdom he's talking about and trying to address for us, he's talking about something that needs to be in existence right here in my life. So when we say in the Lord's prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, what we are saying as it relates to us personally is this, I understand that my life is your kingdom. Is everybody still awake? Does, you know, rattle the marbles just a little bit. Yes, I. Um, I understand that when I'm asking for His kingdom to come, Thy kingdom come, it means I understand that my life is Your kingdom. Can we say that together? My life is Your kingdom every square inch of you and me from one side all the way to the other side completely belongs to God everything you own, all your thoughts and ideas and plans uh, everything about you belongs to God do you agree with that? is there anything about you that makes you think that something about you is, is just you? Uh, and and if there is, I'm saying that little key you've got tucked away in your pocket that you got locked up, and you let God walk over every area of your heart except that one little area because that one belongs to me. I control it. I determine what I do in this part of my life. Uh, it's it's not anything to do with our church or God. You know, it's just me. It's just who I am. Well, friend, I'm I'm telling you that you're gonna have trouble with what we call the Lord's Prayer when you say, thy kingdom come because there's two kingdoms trying to exist in the same life. And God is saying to you and me today, everything about you belongs to me, God says. So there's a declaration. And here's the declaration. If I'm saying thy kingdom come, I want God to set up his throne in my life and there is nothing about me that belongs to me any longer. That's a kingdom declaration. Let's look at a kingdom expectation now. Thy kingdom come. You know, guys, wouldn't it just make sense that if, if somebody other than us owns us, that we ought to show absolute allegiance to them. I, I, if I don't belong to myself, then who owns me? Oh, it's God. Then, then I need to give everything I am to you, my allegiance, my loyalties, all go to God. God, what do you want today? I'm showing up for duty. Give me my orders and I will do whatever you want me to do. Doesn't it make sense that that should just be that way, that I'm not reserving anything of my life, that I'm not holding back on anything. And I, you know, I know what pastor has said about how we should be in church and uh, go around shaking hands and meeting everybody and greeting everybody or whatever. But I'm just like this and I really don't do those kinds of things so what you're trying to say is that since you own me I can keep a little bit of who I am God says that's not the way it is we've got to be in submission to the one who rules the kingdom otherwise he's just our king he's just our ruler in name only and that's a joke really it is get this prayer true prayer is submission. Submission by definition. Please listen, just just open your heart and mind just a little bit here. By definition, submission is laying down my will, my plans, my idea of how I think things ought to be, and taking up the will of someone else. I lay down my will and then 100% accept his. That's what submission really is. I wish I had brought a little box up here. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be a box, okay? So here's a good way to do it, and it's, it's... uh, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, if you've never done that 100% and laid everything out at the altar, I, I preached a message many years ago in the older building and, and I remember preaching and talking about how everything belongs to God and everything needs to be surrendered to the Lord. And I said, I, I just said some things very quickly. I said, uh, your children, your, your jobs, your cars... And the Holy Spirit pricked my heart. And I had been to the altar before many times and laid everything out before God. But I could not remember one time where I said, God, my daughters belong to you. Do whatever you want to do with my daughters. And I got under heavy conviction. And I couldn't wait to get done with the message so I could go and pray at the altar. And I remember weeping at the altar, just the front pew, actually, and just surrendering my my daughters to the Lord. You know, what is it we're afraid of to give our kids to God? Like God's gonna be mean now to them if he has them all the way. That's that's his nature, right? (laughs) Now I got your kids. Watch what I'm gonna do to them. No, God has wonderful plans for everything. Listen, everything about your life has wonderful plans. Satan has this deception going on in your mind to try to get you to think that if everything belongs to God, well, you know, part of my life, I've got to straighten out. I've got to make sure I, uh, this happens for me. And if, if I give it to God, this may not be a part of my life. And I want this person or this thing to be a part of my life. If you've never done this, I want to challenge you to go before the Lord. In submission. And just say, God, here's everything about me. I'm putting my plans for what I think I want to do in life, I'm going to put them in the box. I'm going to put things that I think will make me happy, certain people that I want in my life. You go through and name all the things. The things that you hope happen to you. Kids, when you graduate, here's what I want to do when I graduate, God. Here's my plans when I graduate, God. Um, Here's what I hope I can do after retirement. Buddy, when we retire, we're going to head out. We're going to do all these things. No, all your plans, everything to where you are blank and there's nothing left to be able to give to God. I challenge you to do this. Go up to the Lord, bow down on your knees and put your little box down and dump it out. Amen. And say, now God, whatever you want in the box, you put it back in. Amen. That's good. And if you leave something else out that I thought was to be a really important part of my life, then you're worthy of that. If it gives you glory to pull this person out of my life then i'm giving you that these big plans you know the thoughts that i thought would really make me happy and feel fulfilled god if that's not a part of your plan since it's your kingdom i'm laying my life out in submission and i want you to take control everything i'm tired of having the you know, the steering wheel and, and trying to make sure I turn things to make them go a little bit of my way and oh yeah, God's way, I, I'm done with that. I don't even want, I don't want, there used to be a little sticker um, on people's cars, uh, God is my co-pilot. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. If he's not the pilot, you're in major trouble. What are you doing sitting in the, the main seat, Amen. Luke eleven seventeen 17 says, But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house, get this, a house divided against a house falleth. It can't stand. So let's look at ourselves as that house. It's a kingdom in essence, but let's be that house. And God says, that's, that's, that's my kingdom, your entire being, your body, your, your soul, your spirit, again, all those plans. It all belongs to me, but I look in your heart and I see that you've got some of your own plans. I see a second throne that sits over here. I'm supposed to sit on this throne and yet you're sitting on this throne. You know what God is telling you, friend, you have a divided house. And what does God say happens to divided houses? They fall. They fall. Pray for the United States of America in name only, United States of America, because we are a divided nation. We are a house that split in so many different directions. When there was a time that we stood on the Word of God, and we really did in God we trust, we had some kind of a foundation. But God's people need to stand strong and let Christ be the kingdom, have the kingdom of our heart. Do you remember Balaam in the Old Testament? Balaam, uh, Balak from a heathen kingdom come and said, "Will you curse God's people. They're coming out against us and they're going to wipe us out. Balaam says, I, I, I can't do that, but I'll go pray to God about it. And he went to pray to God about it. And guess what God's answer was? No, you can't wipe my people out. Well, that king said, well, I'll, I'll increase your, your wages and your gold and your silver and, and you're, you'll just be a leader in so many areas. Come and curse my people well God told me no but I'm gonna go ask him again as if God has a divided mind God told him his answer in the first place and and then so God said all right you go ahead walk with him and you go along and it's going to look to him like you're going to curse my people but every time Balaam opened his mouth you remember what happened a blessing came out and that old that heathen king was so mad jumping up and down and Long story short, uh, God wouldn't let him curse his people. And then many years later, Balaam taught those heathen people how to corrupt God's people and take them out by intermingling in marriages and, and so forth. Consequently, it cost Balaam his life. It, it wiped his life out. Balaam was not interested in allowing God to rule the kingdom of his life he was trying to build his own kingdom. I remember Elisha and Gehazi. Do you remember Naaman? Uh, how many knows the story in the Bible of seven ducks? Does everybody remember where the seven ducks are? I've told you guys this before. There are seven ducks in the Bible. So Elisha tells uh, Naaman, the leper, he, he says, you go down to the Jordan River, and he says, you know, I know the Bible says, dip yourself seven times, but he ducked under seven times, seven ducks in the Bible. So he does so, and, and Naaman comes back, and here's... Uh, Here's Naaman trying to tell Elisha, take all these gifts. You've done miraculous things for me. And uh, he's like, no, this is not a time to be receiving gifts. God did this and God will get the glory in him alone, basically is what he said. Except Gehazi, Elisha's servant is over here listening and thinking, man, I don't have a very good retirement going on. My closet's looking pretty ragged right now. My clothes are. And so he chases down Naaman And says, you know what? We got a couple of young prophets that could really use some clothing and stuff. Naaman's like, no problem here, take this. And if you remember what happened to Gehazi, the leprosy that Naaman had was now passed over to him. Why do things like that happen to God's people? Sometimes because they're trying to build two kingdoms. Mine and God's. And we're real subtle about it. We're really good in church about making everybody think, man, I am just 100%, I'm right down the row with God, man. We either drop, jump into our car, we get to the house, we get to work with the guys. And that other part of our life, that other part of our kingdom gets set up. And we determine how I'm going to be. And I'm not about to be one of those really, really committed Christians. What you're saying is, I'm not going to let God have the kingdom. Part of it's mine, part of it's his. James 4.3, you ask and receive not. Why? Because you ask amiss, get this, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. God, I really could use some of this stuff and in the back of your heart because I really need to fulfill my kingdom. I've got some things back here that would really be helpful for... You'd never say that out loud. You might even not let that thought run through your mind so that God might see that. But God knows when it's his kingdom or yours. I love the example of um, Solomon's prayer. You know, it to take some time later in the day. 2 Chronicles 1 and verse 7 You could go down and look at Solomon's prayer. God came to him in a vision at night. Basically said, Solomon, ask whatever you want. And he said, you know what? What a big kingdom. What an unbelievable kingdom this is. And I'm such a little guy. He says, I don't know how to go out and come in before the people. God, can you just give me wisdom to know how to lead your people? God's like, wow, I found some ground to place a whole lot of things for my kingdom it's in his heart. And my, how God blessed Solomon. When he saw that the kingdom really did belong to him, God did amazing things through Solomon. I understand the end of his life got messed up and so forth, but um, God blesses the person who allows his life to be his kingdom. That's what he's looking for in every one of us here this morning. One of the reasons... That God has us pray over and over and over to him. You you ever pray for someone or something for many, please hear this, for many, many years. Have you ever done that? Of course, everyone has. God holds back on some answers. God doesn't give answers immediately. Uh, God sometimes just, uh, you know, says yes, no, and then the other answer is wait. Sometimes the reason God makes us wait is because he's whittling down our kingdom so that it can be all his. God knows if he would answer some of our prayers, listen, right now, God knows how we would use that and the place I would use some of those very things in my kingdom. Sometimes, there, some of the reason God waits to give us the answer to our prayer is so that it all really is going to belong to him and it's not gonna hurt us in the long run. Sometimes that's some of the reason. Submission is the key to finding God's will for our lives. It's the key to allow the windows of heaven to swing wide open and allow God's blessings to be poured out in ways that there wouldn't be room enough to receive it if I could just be in submission. And God knows it's all about his kingdom and not mine. Do you understand? Listen to the words. Listen very carefully. I'm gonna to pray to God. I'm gonna follow his pattern. And I say, thy kingdom come. Do you understand that is a request? It's an invitation from you for God to come down and put his full kingdom in you. God, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth, on earth, in my life, just the same way it's done in heaven as the angels bow down to God in heaven and give you all glory and honor, those beasts that bow down uh, as uh, praise is being given to God, when everybody bows down to God and you're number one and you're the only one on any throne whatsoever, I want that in me. Amen. I think I'm just gonna end here and just ask the question. If you looked in your own heart this morning, just very genuinely, very honestly, and from one corner, listen, one corner of your life to the other and all the territory that belongs in between. Are you trying to build your kingdom or his? Just answer the question. question. Are, are, Are there things in your life that only belong to you and you know it? You say to everyone else, oh yeah, every part about me belongs to God, but you know in your heart that this this action that you do, these thoughts that you have, the people that you allow, habits that you allow to remain in your life, a lifestyle that you know if God had his way in your life, you would have to lay this very thing down before God. Are you building your kingdom or God's? Think about it. Is it about you or is it about God? And does it matter to you what God does? Are you so concerned if you dump it all out in, in, the, in the lap of God that he may not put certain things back in the box for you, that it may not be a part of his will? Good. The greatest peace you'll ever have in your heart, the greatest joy you'll ever experience is when you walk out and nothing really belongs to you. And you know it's in the hand of God. I, I was at the airport Thursday, trying with everything I could to get here a day early because I'm always late. My planes are always late; they never come on time. I spend nights, nights plural, in airports because um, they cancel my flights and all these things. And honestly, I went home that night when they canceled my flight. I remember laying in bed and I just opened my eyes in the dark and I said, "Okay, God, this is yours." That wedding coming up is yours. My life is yours. You want me to sit for days in an airport? I really don't want to, but if that's your will, I, I'm willing. I, I will. Do, I'll do anything you want, and I'm going to be content with that. I got to tell you, I went back to the airport the next day. Typically, I'd, be, I'd just be all frustrated. Oh, man, I hope I can get in on time. Seven minutes to run 70 gates. Um, I, honestly, and, anyway. And I just said, God, this is yours. I happened to show my ticket to the attendant on the plane. He ran up and showed it to the pilot. <laughs> and the pilot got up and came back and talked to me. He said, Now I can radio ahead. I can't make it happen, but I can radio ahead. I can see if they can do this or that. He said, I, Maybe I can make up a little time in the air. back here talking to me. I was going to ask him, can I sit with you up front or something? (laughs) The pilot's talking to me. I'm like, man, I, I would really appreciate that. And they did. They tried to pull some strings. I literally, after 70 gates, I looked up, and there is gate number 10, my gate. It said Sioux Falls across the top. And I saw a lady there looking around for anybody else. And I'm like, I'm coming. I'm not kidding. I'm coming. And I got to the gate, and I put my ticket down scanned it she says it's a good thing you came when you did she said just getting ready to close the door <laughs> wasn't my kingdom it was God's and I promise when God owns everything that's where real peace and real joy can really come do you know this Jesus as your Savior I'm sincerely asking do you know Christ as your Savior this morning if you die today where are you going to go Is it your plan, your kingdom? I'm gonna tell you where your kingdom will end up, in a lake of fire that lasts forever and ever. And I know a God who loved you so much that he left his kingdom to die at ours, to give us a life with him. And if you don't know him this morning, what a day to trust Christ as Savior, amen. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. This morning, your head's bowed and eyes closed.